Welcome to Sassy. I'm Annie Merlowski and I'm your host. Each week we share the inspiring stories of female leaders throughout the tech industry. Thanks for joining us as we dive into the inspiring stories of career growth and development from women who are leading technology as we know it. We are so excited today to be talking to Rosalind Raj. We are going to be talking a little bit about her journey as a woman in tech. Thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you for having me. Awesome. Well, we'll kind of just kick off a little bit and I'd love to hear, you know, about your, what you're doing now and what are some of the key milestones and experiences that have gone ahead and brought you to where you are today? Yeah, no, thank you for that. I currently lead marketing for LG's digital health business. So I'm responsible for building and communicating the value of LG digital health, as well as our virtual care solution. So I think, you know, some of the milestones and experiences that have shaped my career, I would start from my first corporate role. This is really where I learned everything and built my foundation. And a lot of learnings I have had from here, you know, I still carry through my career and life right now. So we're a small communications team with three to 5,000 people globally. And that's where I learned everything from crisis communications to marketing, sales and employee communications. And it's where I started building more of an integrated approach to communications, which is something I bring to work every day. The other main thing I learned is the importance of relationships. And, you know, it's not about being nice or people pleasing or trying to be likable, which is very common for women in the workplace, right? It it was more about communicating and working with people at a very different level. So for example, I walked into the company where corporate and product marketing did not get a lot. Product marketing had a very negative view of marketing, go figure, <laughs> including me simply by association. You know, this gentleman definitely had a wall, a wall up and would give me an eye roll whenever I would come around, like here she comes again. But I was very visible and slowly I opened the door to communication and collaboration. I built trust, I was accountable. I did what I said I would do and I delivered. And one day during a sales cookoff meeting with like a hundred people in the room, the director of product marketing as part of his talk singled me out and talked about how much work I had put in and changed things and had a positive impact on the team. And again, he was the director and I was the manager. So this caught me completely off guard. But it was in that moment that I realized I had earned his respect. And that was very humbling and pivotal for me. It was not my intention. At that time, all I cared about was getting things done. But how I went about getting things done made all the difference. And so this is where I started to put together my own recipe for success and working with people and working in tech and defining my own core values. And I worked with a, an amazing leadership team. They modeled transparency and authenticity. So I learned from the best, everyone from the CEO, CFO to my, my directors and VPs. Until this day, they have the high, my highest respect and one of the best teams I've had the pleasure of working with. But what I took away from this very first corporate experience are these sort of building blocks for my success in not just communications, but in tech as a woman. That's amazing. And the size of company that you're at, I think is it really impacts how you have to go about that journey. Can you tell us a little bit about what it's like being at an enterprise level company like LG? 
As a woman in tech or just in general? <laughs> just in general, because I think a lot of the folks we've spoken to up to now have been at, you know, mid-sized tech companies and LG is completely different. Yeah, it's very matrixed. It's a very matrixed organization. It's definitely a very different culture. So, you know, there's, it's a great place to be. It's very exciting. The brand is exciting. The products and solutions are very exciting. And I'm really happy to be in the digital health space which is a new space for LG and helping to build that out and take it to the next level. That's awesome. That's, I, I just, it amazes me what, you know, companies are doing and innovating in new ways. And obviously, you know, we all know LG for computers and displays and TVs, but not necessarily, you know, the health space. And that's, that's incredible that you guys are, you know, that the company is that big and that you kind of can touch very specific things in a business that's that size. Yes. Well, I think LG has built out a lot of great things, innovation, the technology, and all of those things can be played into digital health. So it's a great space to be in right now, especially where that innovation is very much needed <laughs> as far as patients and healthcare in general. And so we're really trying to make a difference and an impact in the space. That's awesome. Well, kind of that ties into my next question, which is, you know, obviously like digital health didn't exist when we were children. So what was it that you wanted to be when you grew up and how does that tie into what you do now? Yeah, I, you know, when I was younger, I always wanted to be a journalist. And so I actually did a little bit of that early on for some local radio and TV for a short stint. But, you know, the reason for that was I always found it incredibly humbling that people, strangers, would trust me to tell their story, right, to represent them in a story. And so I always wanted to make sure I got it right and that the people were represented in the best possible way and that somehow this little story made an impact. And so I take that sort of love of storytelling more to the business side now. Well, and that makes complete sense with your background in product marketing, that so much of product marketing is that telling the use case and telling the customer story, right? Right. It's definitely in a very different way and a lot more processes, a lot more reviews, a lot more things to watch out for. But yeah, I think the, the core part of storytelling is still there. Well, I actually, my background is journalism as well. That's what I studied. And I always tell people that the difference between journalism and marketing is whose truth is it? Um, yeah. It's, you know, it's all truth, but it's just from a different perspective. Right. Is there a challenge that you've had to overcome in your career? Of course. Yeah. I mean, who doesn't? I think though, for me, the heaviest professional challenge had the most personal impact. I was in a toxic environment at one point in my career. It just really happened to wreak havoc on my mental and physical health. It absolutely affected my work performance and it definitely creeped into my family life. You know, and when I brought this situation to the attention of my management team, I was really told to sort of deal with it, suck it up, you can leave. That's just sort of how it is here. And then I was even told, you know, you're just you're just kind of taking it the wrong way. And so the company, of course, held no accountability or responsibility in, at any level, not my manager, not the leadership team. I was also sort of labeled difficult because I stood up for myself in certain areas, right, and where I felt like I needed to. But, you know, at the end of the day, I didn't get what I wanted, and so I left the company. I didn't have a backup job. I was definitely stressed. I had a lot of anxiety, and it just kind of took its toll physically. 
but I also knew that I would never let myself be in that situation again. So while I didn't get what I wanted from the company, I did make some personal changes. And so I just really tried to prepare myself mentally and financially. I started to manage my own stress better and well-being and prioritize my own mental health. I started to learn how to recognize sort of toxic behavior and try to understand why it happens and the repercussions that that might have on people and culture. I also learned to up-level my communications and working with sort of more of the difficult personalities, right? And that's very, very common in tech and having those difficult conversations and better understanding of what I can and cannot control. And I also became better at recognizing some of the different leadership styles and the kinds of people I actually want to work with and surround myself with. So I think that, you know, this situation really changed me, but I think prioritizing my mental health changed everything for me and my approach to work and life. And I'm definitely a better, a better mother, a better employee, wife and friend because of it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that we forget that, you know, we spend the vast majority of our day in our jobs, not necessarily with our families. And that can impact how we have our day to day with our families. And it's it's interesting that you mentioned that you were labeled as difficult. And is that something in your experience, I feel like that happens more often with women in leadership. When you push back, women will be called difficult, whereas men may be called assertive. Have you seen that happen across your career at all? Yes, absolutely. I've been definitely told difficult in this situation, but in others, actually been told that I'm too direct. And yeah, it's definitely things that are to- really said to women. And it's I'm not the only one. I've definitely had my female colleagues being told the same thing in different scenarios. So yeah, it's absolutely very common. Well, that I think ties really good into kind of our next question, which is, you know, have you experienced any bias as a woman in tech? And, you know, how is it different navigating the world as a woman in this space? Yeah, well, I mean, I'm a brown working mother over 40 in tech. My career has been and will continue to be challenging. (laughs) So, you know, I think in that first role that I mentioned earlier, I really came in bright eyed and bushy tailed, ready to take on the world, right? It was my first role. I was completely oblivious to things like racial bias, what it means to be privileged or to be female in corporate America. I didn't know what I didn't know. And so there's something to be said about working with that kind of a mindset because I felt like I could do anything. I didn't know any better. So I didn't see all the limitations and biases that I see now. So after that role, I became very aware of all of those things. And of course, it was very frustrating for a very long time. So now I am definitely aware, but I care less about the biases. I know they exist. I know when it's stopping me from getting to where I need to be. I personally don't want to spend time trying to change this. They have people for that, and I am definitely not that person. And so it's not that I've given up fighting. It's I'm more focused on my end goal of what I want and where I need to be. And I tend to work through those challenges and break through it and trying to find ways to do that. I've definitely been in situations where, you know, we have that prove it again bias where women have to provide more evidence of competence, right, than men do to be seen as equally capable. The path to growth for women, I think, is flawed and it's different for men. I've definitely been passed over for promotions by male colleagues with way less experience. 
I've definitely experienced maternal bias, you know. Once I became a mom, I was all of a sudden too busy with my kids or I was seen as always running late or that I couldn't do certain levels of work or take this on. So all of those things are definitely there. I think what I learned as far as communication very early on, it's key, but it doesn't work all the time. And you can't get through everyone all the time. Everyone's got their own ways of doing things and their own goals and motivations. So at the end of the day, I will always want to be in a situation where I feel I can grow my career and impact. And if I cannot do that internally where I'm at, then it would be time to move on. That's, I think that's an incredibly wise thing to think about that, you know, there are, what you said, there are people that that is their job to combat those biases and that it, it may not be the best use of your time. And sometimes that means you do have to cut ties and that can be really hard. It's very overwhelming when you think about it. Definitely in the, you know, in my career, there was a time where I felt nothing but overwhelmed, <laughs> right? How am I going to get through this? How am I going to get this person to see this or that or what have you? And honestly, I put a lot of faith and power in uh, for my career in the hands of my managers. And that is a very big mistake. And so once I realized that I, and when I took things back in my own hands, then I really started to see the difference because, and we tend to do that, you know, especially, you know, sort of more traditional folks, right? You know, you're, you're trained and you're trained to think that, you know, if you work hard, you'll get noticed and you'll get promoted. That's not the way it works. It may have worked back in the day. I don't know. It's certainly, that is not the key anymore. And so what, what is that? It's, what is the key? Well, it's constantly trying to find that defining success and redefining success for your own self in one way or another and trying to push through those walls in your own way. So it's not, it's not a one size fits all. Absolutely. And I think that your point about taking that back out of the hands of your manager and having that responsibility on yourself is huge that, you know, a manager could have, they could have 10 direct reports and right. they're not going to, you know, they're going to do the best they can, but they're not necessarily going to own the keys to your career unless you ask for them to take that and help you move it. And even if you do ask them to do that, some managers are just not good at managing people and helping them develop their careers. They're in it because they just happen to fall in it or, or you know, they wanted this role or whatever. But that just because you know, your manager is in this position, it does not make them capable of growing your career or knowing how to or wanting to. Sometimes managers might want you to just stay where you are because they need your support, right? And so uh, they want you to be the right hand or whatever that might be. And it, whatever the reason is, there there's always a reason to for them to not grow you. There needs to be a business need, right? There needs to be budget. There needs to be all sorts of things to align and fall in place for people to grow. But I will say that it is easier for those things to fall in place for my male colleagues than it is for me. And that's a tricky world to navigate. Absolutely. Yes. So you mentioned that you have you have kids. So tell us a little bit about how you maintain a work-life balance and how do you think that that might be perceived differently for your male peers? Well, I mean, there's no such thing as a work-life balance. It's definitely different for men because we take on most of the responsibilities at home while we are working, right? And so 
what they can do to maintain a balance the, uh, can be the same as women though. And, you know, working from home, I didn't have that when my kids were growing up or when they were born. I was asked to come right into the office, right back to the office after my firstborn, and I did not want to do that. I asked to come back with a more flexible schedule, you know, maybe part-time, ease my way back in. That opportunity was not available for me. It was come back full swing or start looking at other things. And so I prioritized my family and I took a year off and I started a consulting business. <laughs> and so I, and again, this goes back to putting everything in your, in your manager's hands, right? And so I took some time off and started consulting on the side while I was raising my kids. And I've had my consulting company ever since. I've gone back and forth through my career in times of where I needed something to, needed to be taking that time in between roles. That's awesome. I think that that's, that's something that I think everybody should have in their career is that they should know what are their soft skills that they can sell, essentially, should they need to take a break, or should they need to step back or, you know, heaven forbid, if they're a part of a layoff, to be able to kind of turn to that. And it's great that you were able to do that when your your kids were young. Yeah, it's one of the most fulfilling things I have ever done. It's mine right? It's a, I'm the boss. I choose the projects I want to take on. And some of the most fulfilling work that I have been able to do is through my own consulting company, because, you know, uh, I'm not tied to what I'm allowed to do when I'm in a regular role, right? I can pick and choose what I want to take and the companies and the types of companies I want to work with. And, you know, just starting from a very, very small companies and entrepreneurs to working with the giants like GE and Cisco, right? So it's just been a really great experience throughout my career to be able to do that and have something of my own. I recommend to most women that I know who are sort of in the same situation that you should always have something of your own because you just don't know where life is going to take you and where your career is going to take you. But as far as, you know, sort of balancing, uh, maintaining that balance, uh, you know, again, not about balance, but I do try to focus more on, on the quality of time I'm putting in at both work and with my family. So trying to focus on the quality and impact of work, it's really hard to do with my family. You know, I want to do something that's more of an, an experience, creating memories, you know, and just trying to be present and focusing on the bigger things. At work, trying to focus on the bigger things is a lot harder because there are often so many little things you need to do, especially at a smaller company, right, that need to happen and fall in place before you can get to that bigger thing or make that bigger impact. And so that's something I'm still trying to work out and navigate my way through. I think the second way I can really try to maintain some sense of sanity is creating boundaries, which is really hard for women. And so not only do I have to communicate those boundaries to others, including work and family, but I have to hold myself accountable to those boundaries and without the guilt. So if you're a mom, you know about the mom guilt, right? <laughs> and so, and then the other thing is, of course, finding time for self-care, which also needs to be guilt-free. I can't tell you how many times I've tried to take some time away from family and work and just maybe go for a walk or a run or maybe spend some time at a, at a spa and I'm sitting there thinking I should be spending time with my kids right now. And uh, instead of, you know, sitting here 
doing what I'm doing. And so it's just a balance. And I think that was harder for me to do earlier on when the kids were younger. But as time went on, I started to say, they'll be just fine. <laughs> and and they were fine. And, you know, I became better for it. That's absolutely true. And it's so hard to do when they're little. I'm in that space right now where, you know, I, if I want to go and get my nails done, it means I have to have my daughter with someone else. And I feel bad. And it's not that that hour is going to drastically change things for her, but you have to remind yourself that's like, it's okay. It's okay. They're going to be fine. Absolutely. What is um, something that you really look for when you choose a company either to work for, you know, as your full-time job or that you're going to consult with? Like, what are the things that are really important to you when you're kind of vetting those companies? Great question. You know, I think it's just evolved so much from the beginning of my career. You know, it's now less about salary and the name of the company, right? And those are, you know, salary is definitely important. I absolutely want to be paid equally and all of those things. But there are the other things I look at now as part of the whole package, right? So leadership diversity. So the first thing I'm going to do is log on to that website and look at the, look at the leadership page. If there's not a woman on there, if that leadership team is not diverse, I will think twice. That doesn't mean I won't interview and try to find out some information, but I that's definitely something that I look at first. Nope, that's super smart. And I think so many companies are showcasing that information on their website for a reason. For sure. I think that's really important. And then just kind of looking at, you know, what they stand for, what their mission is, what they're doing as a company. I'll look at the leadership team speaking, you know, what kinds of things they're talking about, what do they really kind of stand for, not just the words that are written on the website, but I kind of want to hear what the leaders are actually saying and how they say it. And, you know, and I really kind of think about what's the impact I think I can make here. I think, you know, especially sort of getting, you know, mid-career, you're really kind of starting to think about the impact that you can have anywhere, right? And so is this company aligned with my values? Is this company going to be around? <laughs> you know, how innovative are they? How, you know, what does, what do their financials look like? So all of those things kind of start to play a bigger part in that decision before I even apply. Absolutely. And that's, that's super smart. I think you mentioned that the, you know, where you are in your career changes that perspective. And it's totally true that you might want, you know, to work for a big flashy brand name when you're, when you're starting off. And as you get further along, it's like, okay, is the company healthy? The name mm -hmm. is nice, but is the company healthy? <laughs> yeah. And then trying, and there's a lot of things you can't know just by even talk, having an, a round of interviews, right? So I, you know, you're starting to learn how to ask the right questions questions and very telling questions. I think it's so important, especially for women to really ask a lot of questions during interviews. Not, you know, I think it's healthy to understand what, what they're about and things that maybe you have gone through in previous companies and trying to figure out how you can avoid that, right? If it's something to be avoided and asking those, um, key questions in a subtle way is definitely an art that, you know, I'm still working on. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I think that the longer you've been in, in a career, the more questions you have when you start to do those interviews. You know, I think that my first job interview, you know, I was asked, 
you know, do I have any questions? I was like, oh, no, not at all. But now it's, it is. Yeah. You have like, these are like six questions that you really want to dig into and they're important to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, you know, it's like great to have some situational questions, you know, uh, like they have for you during interviews. So it's not just about, you know, well, what's your culture like? Can you tell me a little bit about that? Right. And th- that's a great starting point too, but they're going to give you the HR version. <laughs> Right. They're going to give you the company version. So we have to learn to ask more sort of telling questions about maybe we ask, tailor the questions around, well, how do you grow your employees? What's the path to growth or what's the, you know, start asking those types of questions. So you understand what those processes are and what they prioritize. And those will be very telling in whether you want to work for this company or not. If that, if that question in particular is what you want to know. Absolutely. Tell me a little bit about, have you had mentors who have helped shape your career? You know, I think I've had a lot of both direct and indirect mentors. So it's a lot of learning from the folks that are around me. And so I think that, especially in my first role, there were four people who I would really identify as both direct and indirect mentors and folks that I even still keep in touch with to just kind of, you know, just talk through some of the you know, the different place that we're all at now and where we are in our careers. It's just really great to be able to have somebody that's known you for so long and in so many different capacities to be able to provide a completely different perspective. Absolutely. I think that that is, that's core that, you know, sometimes we get really close to our trees and you need people to kind of pull you away from it and say, Hey, did you look at this? (laughs) Did you know this is happening? (laughs) Absolutely. What advice would you give to women who are considering a career in tech? Wow. Well, I think a couple of things. I think number one, know your stuff, right? Be solid in what you bring to the table, right? If you're in marketing, know marketing, know the trends, know what you need to be doing to take things to the next level, and then learn the industry you're in. The second was, is definitely creating boundaries. They're healthy and important, and they help you gain both respect from others as well as self-respect so you don't fall into this downward spiral of continually doing things you don't want to be doing. So I think creating boundaries is uh, super important. I would also say get yourself a seat at the table. If you can't get one, pull up your own chair. If you can't do that, start a new table and invite the others who didn't get a seat either. And then I think the last one would be understand your self-worth. Don't wait or pursue change at the expense of it or at the expense of your health. And you'll have to continue to redefine what success can and will look like for you. That is such a good tip. I think that that, the self-worth piece is so smart to not allow that to, you know, not allow your self-worth to fall through the cracks. Absolutely. You know, and there's, you know, sometimes it's very difficult, you know, for women, we get, you know, for me, I'm getting older as well, right? So there's, there's age bias as well. And so it's like, okay, you women tend to kind of get stuck in, in specific areas. Well, I can't, I can't move on, I can't get a job at the next place, for whatever reason it might be, or I need to stay here. And they suffer through a lot of things. Um, It might be a toxic work environment, it might be Uh, all sorts of different things. And it's just at the end of the day, I promise you, there are other jobs. It might be difficult to get, but there are other roles. There are other opportunities out there, opportunities you may not have seen or even thought about. 
And so I really encourage women to really think outside of of themselves, <laughs> right? Sometimes we are our own crutches, or we're in our own way, and uh, can't see beyond that. But there's definitely always a light at the end of the tunnel. Absolutely. Well, and then kind of, I wanted to close on a fun question, which is what is your must read or watch right now? It doesn't have to be work related. What is it that, you know, you really are enjoying? You know, I love uh, the show. I think it's on Netflix or HBO. I can't even remember, but it's called Billions. It's actually about the workplace <laughs> and the great lengths that people go through to get what they want and the use and abuse of power. It's it's just, you know, what stands out in this show is the writing. It's absolutely incredible. People say exactly what they feel, what their motivations are, and what might be the repercussions. It's just, and it's just done in a very compelling way. All of those characters has have such depth. And so it's the opposite of who I'll ever be, <laughs> which is probably why I like it. <laughs> But yeah, that's my, I'm on the seventh season right now. And so I'm, it's a really great show. Oh, and that's my favorite right now. That's awesome. I'm gonna have to check that out. It sounds really interesting. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. I really loved hearing your advice and hearing your stories. And I really appreciate the time you spent with us. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for joining us for today's episode of Sassy. Subscribe on your favorite podcast platform or join us on LinkedIn at Sassy Podcast to stay in the know about future episodes and guests.